Welcome to the GW Business of Sports podcast. We talk about sports, careers, mentors, leadership, and a lot more here. And we do the show from the Foggy Bottom Campus in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Hyman, professor in the Business of Sports program at GW. My producer is Henry Levy. Sam Porter is the guest this week on the podcast. Sam is Senior Vice President at DC United and Director of Business and Legal Affairs at Swansea City AFC. Sam is on the management side now as in-house lawyer for soccer clubs in MLS and the English Premier League. Before that, he was a player agent representing mostly basketball players. So he's been on both sides of the negotiating table, and he has great insight into the roles of player agent versus management executive. Sam recently was a guest in the undergraduate sports law class that I'm teaching this semester, and he really made an impression with the stories that he shared about his life now and as a fledgling player agent not that many years back. Sam Porter, welcome to GW. Thank you. Uh, I would like to ask you about the first negotiation in sports of consequence that you can recall being involved in? Well, there, there are two major ones early in my career uh, that, I'll, that I'll mention. Uh, so the first one, I was an intern at a sports agency in New York City. At the time, it was a NFL-only player agency, represented about 100 NFL players. And we had a client named Ryan Grant, who had uh, played collegiate football at Notre Dame, and had been a practice squad player for a year or two with the Giants. And he had been cut from the Giants, picked up from the Green Bay Packers. And that season, he was the second leading rusher in the NFL out of nowhere behind LaDainian Tomlinson. And at that point, he was a restricted free agent. And he had had a monster year. I think it was Brett Favre's last year in Green Bay. And because Ryan had been a sort of bottom tier client to the agency going into the season I was he was from New Jersey and uh, lived in the off season where the office was in in New York Uh, I'd spent a lot of time with him so when he blew up and had this big season uh, all the agents in the agent world everybody's always trying to take your clients so all these other agents were coming at Ryan saying hey we can get you a big deal now that he was a big name player in the NFL and so I was that that summer, that NFL free agency summer or spring, I um, got brought into the loop on trying to get his new deal with the Green Bay Packers. So I was in law school at the time. I just finished my first year of law school, I think, and <clears throat> I was, you know, on these phone calls with the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, and then calling the second leading rusher in the NFL that year and explaining to him where we were in the conversations. And so I wasn't negotiating with the general manager, his, his actual contract agent, uh, who I worked for was, but it was when I felt like, wow, this is really, I'm really in the thick of this kind of by happenstance. So that, that was the first one. We ended up getting Ryan a $40 million contract that he's you know, still living very well off of. And uh, he played several more fruitful years in the NFL and is now retired and, and enjoying life. And that was a real, that was life changing for him because before that he had been on NFL minimum contracts and, and that's when I saw that a you know, guy could come out of nowhere, do it, get the big payday, and um, 
you know, you don't need to be the first overall draft pick or a first rounder to make a huge impact. And that was big for the company as well to, to have that, that client emerge. And then the second one was when I was, uh, <clears throat> several years later out of law school, I was a certified NBA um, agent. I always wanted to be in the basketball world. I, I also went to an A-10 school undergrad, St. Joe's, and uh, had really fallen in love with basketball in high school and then also in college, liked the global nature of it. And uh, in 2013, <clears throat> I signed a player named Gal Mekel, and Gal was an Israeli national team point guard, and he played for a team in Israel. And he had already he had played collegiately for two years at Wichita State. He had then gone pro in Europe, and was really coming into his own as a pro. Had gone undrafted when he when he was auto eligible for the NBA draft, and. Gal went to a sort of second-tier team in Israel. The top team in Israel is uh, every year Maccabi Tel Aviv. And Gal had played there as a youth, but had played for this second-tier team, Maccabi Haifa, uh, this pr prior season. <clears throat> and uh, Gal, that year, won the MVP of the league, and his team beat Maccabi Tel Aviv in the finals, which is pretty rare in that, in that league. And uh, wonderful guy, 6'3", uh, you know, had the stature to be in the NBA. So that summer, I signed him while he was a while he was playing that year in Israel. I signed him during the season, and set up a sort of roadshow of um, workouts and interviews with NBA teams. We didn't know if he was going to get anything uh, from this because borderline athleticism, not an amazing shooter, but but a but a real prospect, and was still I think 23, 24 years old at that time. So, um, and you had seen a couple guys come from the Europe internationally and make NBA rosters and be impact players. So Gal came over, and we had workouts with the Atlanta Hawks and with the Memphis Grizzlies and with uh, the Dallas Mavericks and I think the Pacers. And so when, when Gal had his first workout, the Pacers called me and said, hey, I, I think we want to bring him in on a partially guaranteed one-year contract. And I said, well, you know, they said maybe we'll guarantee 50000 or $100,000 of, of a, I think the minimum league salary at the time was $450,000. So I said, uh, you know, he's got a couple more workouts. We're interested, but let us come back to you. So then he went to the Hawks. And the Hawks, you know, nothing really moved the needle there. So then he went and had this two-day workout with the Dallas Mavericks. And he actually, I was with him in Florida where he was training. He missed his flight uh, due to some weather issue and didn't even make the first day of the two-day Mavericks workout. And we were really bummed out about it. And then he got there the next day for the second day of these workouts. And I had another client in that workout. <clears throat> and the uh, director of player personnel for the Mavericks called me after the workout. And I thought he'd be calling about my other player because my other player had been doing really well and NBA teams were interested. And he said, hey, that kid gal was really amazing. So, uh, hey, we want to we talk to you about him, but I need to talk to Donnie and Mark, meaning Donnie Nelson, the GM, and Mark Cuban, the owner. So I said, okay. Then my phone rang and my other client called me and he said, hey, that Israeli kid that you had, destroyed this workout today. So then, and this was a client who would always tell me all about himself at every chance he got, how good he was. And so for him to call me and tell me that my other client had done really well um, made me think that something really special had happened in this workout. So then Gal called me and said, uh, hey, I think I had a pretty good workout with them. I said, yeah, they called me, they told me it's good, but they're gonna get back to me and see what they wanna do. <clears throat> the next day, Gal was scheduled to fly to Memphis, which will kind of, uh, tie back later because my, my current boss at both DC United and Swansea was the CEO and owner of the Memphis Grizzlies at the time. 
and I was the agent, and he was the GM. You know, he was doing all, everything for the Memphis Grizzlies. And so that that next day, Gal was still in Dallas, and Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson called me. And uh, I never talked to Mark Cuban before, and so I, I was a little nervous. And they said, hey, listen, we want, we want to sign the kid. We will do one year guaranteed, and, but then we want team options for the second two years, which is not – which I was kind of, you know, jumping up and down to get the one-year guaranteed for him because he was, you know, really not expected to make the NBA at all. But we kind of slow played it, and by the end of the night, they had called back. Mark just called me back himself and said, we'll do three years fully guaranteed. So at that point, I called the kid and his dad, and we just, you know, jumped up and down and celebrated, and we all got on a plane to Dallas, and uh, he signed. And uh, there was more nitty-gritty to the negotiations, but it was basically like we kind of slow played it. The, the, the part with Memphis was I said, guys, you know, he's scheduled to fly to Memphis in the morning. Um, if you don't want him to get on that plane, we need to do all three years guaranteed. And they finally said, okay, we'll do it. So then I had to call Memphis and say, hey, you got to cancel that flight. They said, we were flying you in first class. We were doing that as a favor to you. So my, my boss will still bring it up now once in a while. We're both out of the NBA, but he'll bring that up once in a while uh, to, to bust my chops a little. So that was the first and second. And, and the, the gal one was one that I was running, you know, all myself and with, uh, you know, I had recruited the player, signed him from Israel, brought him here and done that. And that, that felt like a very significant negotiation and something that was really important to me in, in my career. So you've worked as a player agent, and now you're working on the management side. Is the skill set <clears throat> the same, or are there other, are there talents as a player agent that are less important on the management side and, and vice versa? For me, I, I would hire <clears throat> I would hire a lot of player agents because when you're an agent, you wear a lot of hats. You have to recruit the player, and by recruit, I mean you sell the player on yourself and your agency as a product, essentially. Then you sell the player, whether it's the NFL, the NBA, or a coach, I've represented coaches, um, you then sell that person, you sell their skill set to the team or the college, I've represented some college coaches, and so there's a, there's a product acquisition skill set, there's a sales skill set, and then I was always doing all the legal work. You don't have to be a lawyer to be an agent, but I think that the two things really do go hand in hand because it's a, a lot of it's contractual. Uh, I do know lawyer uh, agents who are successful who aren't lawyers, though. And so, uh, you know, as a, as an agent, you eat what you kill, and you so you're not really getting anything unless you go out and make it happen. And I, I think in anything on the team side or other jobs. If you have the, the self-drive to go find a client, find that client an endorsement deal, um, you know, I had clients who were really not big name players, but they were, you know, on an NBA roster or on an NFL roster, and you got to, and, and those guys, they're dependent on you to find a, a $20,000 appearance fee or a, or a $5,000 appearance fee or um, the usage of a car for a year. I mean, all, just hustling around and getting those deals done and, and basically making deals happen, problem solving. And then that, that doesn't even mention the sort of psychologist hat that you wear of, of dealing with a player after they've had a good game or after they've had a bad game or dealing with their parents if, they, if they're getting pressure from their parents to, to, to help them financially. Uh, you really have to have a, a wide, wide range of, of skills, I think. And, and maybe they're not all a mile deep, but you've got to have a, a, a lot of them to be able to deal with all this stuff. So I, th I think you come into a business 
place, especially on the team side in the, in the sports world, pretty well prepared to deal with a lot of stuff. When you were a senior in college at St. Joe's, sitting in a class like this one, mm-hmm. were you imagining the life that you have now? My, uh, my I was a poli-sci and international relations double major, and my, uh, my international relations professor senior year said, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? What do, you, what do you want to be after this? And I said, I want to be a sports agent. And I was at St. Joe's, and at the time we were actually ranked number one in the country, as crazy as it sounds now. We had Jameer Nelson and Delonte West, and we were undefeated. And I was—I knew a lot of the players. I never really—I wasn't trying to be an agent then. I still wanted to go to law school, and I wasn't, you know, approaching it in that way. But I—I I, I knew the players were accessible, and I knew that there was a worldwide market for basketball players. So I—I was—I was thinking about being an agent. I wasn't really thinking about the team side stuff, but I did think about that. He said, "Listen, if you want me to," because I asked him for a recommendation for law school, and he said, "What do you—what do you want to do?" And I said, "I want to be an agent." He said, "I'll write you the recommendation for law school, but promise me you're not going to be a sports agent." So he then. Uh, why, why did he say that? I guess sports agent has a negative connotation. You know, I think people think of sports agents as these sharks and they take advantage of the players. And there are agents, I'm sure, that do that. But in a lot of ways, the agent carries a large burden. I mean, you're, oftentimes you're coming out of pocket to pay for guys to train in between college and when they're pros. And you're taking a risk on guys. You're kind of you're, you're making a, an investment, a financial end. Uh, time and energy and resources in, into a player, and then you're you have a lot of responsibility to take care of them. And in the NBA, it's a four percent maximum commission, so four pennies for every dollar that the player makes is your maximum commission on the playing contract. In the NFL, it's three percent. These guys have these short careers, and you could pay twenty thousand plus dollars to train a player for the NFL Combine, and they might not get drafted. So. Agents have to deal with a lot, and I think there's a negative connotation. So my, my professor, my senior year, was probably had seen Jerry Maguire and had heard about Drew Rosenhaus and, and uh, was just a guy who didn't really know what it meant to be a good sports agent. So I've actually, uh, he's now a professor at Gonzaga, and I represented when I was a, an agent John Stockton's kids, who one of them played in the NBA and, and went to Gonzaga, and I reached out to him and said, "Hey, I ended up becoming a sports agent, and uh, we had a we had a laugh about it." Before we let you go, I'd, I'd like you to reflect a little bit on mentors, people whose advice you have relied on over the years, who, who you think have been helpful and and maybe pointed you in a direction that resulted in where you are today. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost. Jason Levian, who's the owner and managing partner of DC United and also Swansea City uh, in the English Premier League, has been a mentor of mine for a long time. Uh, I met him when I first became an agent in, uh, you know, 2007, 2008. I I met him uh, through somebody in the NBA world, and he had just left the agent business and gone to be the general counsel and assistant general manager at the Sacramento Kings. And he lived in New York at the time. Um, it was between New York and, and uh, Sacramento. So we met and we kind of hit it off. And when I was an agent, all those years for, you know, six years, seven years, I would go to him when I got fired by somebody. Because no matter how, how good of a job you do and how hard you work for players, the agent is a, there's a low barrier to entry. And so a lot of people can tell players whatever they want and, and, and tell them things that aren't true and, and make promises that they're not necessarily going to follow through on, but they can then kind of make you look bad. And uh, as it, every player I ever recruited would say, 
I, I say, what are you looking for in an agent? I want somebody to be honest with me. And a lot of times when you tell a, uh, an athlete client the truth, that's when you start to lose. When, you, when you're really honest with them, that's, that's really not what they want to hear. So that's a lesson learned the hard way. Um, but but on the, onto the mentor thing, uh, Jason was a huge mentor for me. I got to know him in a real sense of just asking for advice, and then it turned into a, a strong relationship, and then he's hired me to have this uh, key, key role in, in two, uh, his two businesses that he, that he owns and runs. Um, aside from him, uh, there was an agent who was a few years older than me when I got my first internship at a sports agency. And my, my, my job at that agency that, where I first started that, that got me certified with the NBA and where I was representing Ryan Grant and, and so forth, uh, that was an internship that where I, I literally got my foot in the door through a posting at the Media Entertainment and Sports Law Association showed up to kind of see what a sports agency looked like on the inside and, and just be just kind of have a look. I, I initially wanted to do real estate law when I went to law school. I mean, that was what I was thinking because I thought, you know, obviously going back to my senior year of college, I said I wanted to be a sports agent, but I didn't really know how to do that. I didn't know the path to get there. It just seemed like something you can't really find much out about now. There's more information, I think, but at the time there wasn't. And so... There wasn't, I got that through the internship and there was somebody who was a kind of a junior agent, but a few years older than me who had just graduated law school when I got there and somebody who I still keep in close touch with who kind of told me, I said, how did you go from being an intern here to being uh, an agent? And he just said, you know, I, I just, you know, I worked my, worked my ass off and I, I, you know, did the extra mile at every chance. And whenever I was given the smallest chance, I would just, you know, go for it a hundred percent. So that, those little pieces of advice along the way and, uh, What's his name? Mentors. What? What's his name? His name? Yeah. Jared Fox is the is the uh, slightly older agent than me, and uh, he's still he's one of he's probably the agent under forty who has the most clients in the NFL. It's doing you know doing extremely well. Great. Well, we want to thank you for stopping in. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.